Welcome to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today, we will be joined by a two-time national champion coach at the Division I level, Vanderbilt coach Tim Corbin, a native of Wolfboro, New Hampshire, helped lift Vanderbilt to national championships in 2014 and 2019. Over his 20-year career at Vanderbilt, Corbin has led his teams to a record of 802 377 and 1, good for a winning percentage of 680. His Commodores have made four trips to the College World Series in the last eight seasons. I'm looking forward to hearing from the New Hampshire native who built arguably the top college baseball program in the nation on why he continues to recruit in the New England region and what advice he might have for high school prospects who are looking to play at the next level. Before we get to Coach Corbin, I will quickly go through the ways that you can enjoy more content from New England Baseball Journal. Number one, check out all of our latest stories at BaseballJournal.com. Number two, get the winter edition of New England Baseball Journal mailed to your home by clicking on the subscribe tab at BaseballJournal.com. Finally, number three, subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or any of your preferred platforms. Thanks for listening to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. Here's Vanderbilt coach Tim Corbin, who is connecting with us by Zoom. Coach Corbin, thanks so much for joining the podcast. My pleasure, Dan. Good to be on it. I was wondering, do you miss it up here in New England? Uh, Yeah, I miss it. I mean, my dad and mom still live in New Hampshire, so anytime you guys get snow, that gets reported to me before it happens and as it happens because he's so tied into the weather. So uh, I do miss it at times. We go back for Christmas, but at the same time, when the spring starts, which for us is about right now, we we don't want any snow. So uh, yeah, I'd rather have the situation that we're in. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know you take a lot of pride in, um, you know, your New Hampshire and New England roots. And you've continued to recruit players uh, from the area, even, you know, now in your 20th year, going into your Vanderbilt career as head coach. Um, What is it about the area? What do you what do you value in the players from New England? And what do you see in the players that end up uh, coming to the Vanderbilt program from New England? Oh, I I just think it's more of a, a personality fit. I think a lot of ways, I think a lot of the New England players academically can fit the school uh, first. And then I, I think secondly, it's it's uh, it's just their personality traits. I mean, it takes a different kid to to play baseball in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts and Connecticut. I mean, the weather for four or five months during the course of the year isn't always favorable. It's not always favorable in Nashville either. It's not like this is the deep south. But at the same time, what you were talking about, the contention of snow and and uh, climate, it, it makes it difficult in those, those winter months. And I, I've just always seen those kids as being able to overcome those things. There's a level of toughness that usually is a part of, of their traits. Uh, the other piece of New England kids, a lot of New England kids play multiple sports and I'm a big proponent of, of guys that, that play multiple sports and just think my familiarity. I think you always go back in life to the people that you feel most comfortable with. And I've always felt more comfortable with uh, not more, but as comfortable with New England kids. Yeah. And when we talk to coaches from this area, the Division One coaches around New England, uh, one of the things they all prioritize is getting a chance to see the players that they're recruiting as often as possible. 
Uh, they want to get multiple looks because, you know, now you're trying to make that decision earlier and earlier whether to give them an offer or how much money you're going to give them in terms of scholarship money. And you really want to be sure of it before you do that. How do you get a chance? What is the recruiting process like for players from New England that are looking to get to Vanderbilt? Where do you see them? Because I know a lot of guys are playing down in Georgia and Florida more and more now. I think you hit on it, Dan. I, I just think that there's there's more kids now, not when I first started this, but especially now that are they're playing all over the country. You get a kid from Massachusetts, and he can be on an, uh, a team from Atlanta. Uh, you get a kid from California, he can be on a team – in new england so I, I just think in terms of summer baseball and amateur baseball the dynamic has changed so much over the past five to ten years that these kids are it's no longer regional uh, when i was first starting legion baseball was was the thing it's it's no longer the thing the thing is travel teams and, and kids that that play on these organizations that you can see in Fort Myers, Florida, you can see in Atlanta, you could potentially see in California. So I just think they're out there a little bit more um, than they were in the past. Yeah, and I was wondering this weekend, I was uh, saw on the Vanderbilt baseball Twitter account, you, it seemed like a, a visit weekend for guys who were uh, planning on attending Vanderbilt next year. I saw Ivan Arias uh, came down to visit the school as well as Raymond Vas- Velasquez, uh, who's from Lowell, where I'm from. And I wanted to check with you on the recruiting calendar because it seems like those guys have been committed to Vanderbilt for a long time now, and now they're getting a chance to go down to campus. What is the process like? When when should players expect to first hear from coaches, or when should they initiate contact? And then how does it work out from from the standpoint of visits and you know actually getting the offer? Well, I think it all differs. I mean, I, I think the the process has sped up quite a bit. Um, I don't I don't necessarily always agree with it, although we've indulged in it. So I can't you know, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. If I say that that's not the way Uh, personally, I think it'd be more beneficial to the kid if if they allowed themselves to to slow down the process of, of, of trying to decide on a school, because in deciding on a school during your eighth grade year or ninth grade year or 10th grade year, there's a lot that's going to happen inside that program in the three following years after that commitment, some of it for the good, some of it maybe not for the good of the, of that individual that committed to the school. And I think there's also a lot of things that happen to players, you know, after, after a certain amount of time, there's kids that develop early and there's some kids that develop and they reach their potential at a certain age. And, I think it's it's just difficult, but I think by the time they get into their juniors and, and senior year, then you start to identifying what what that what that student athlete is going to look like, and oftentimes you can make some tough decisions that that don't benefit the kids. I mean, I think you look at it from their vantage point. Is it it's not so beneficial to the to the kids? You might think it's beneficial to your program at the time when you made that decision because that player was of a a certain trait or he, he did things in a certain way above his peer group, but at the same time, it, it doesn't mean that he's going to be that way when he shows up on campus. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's not always easy. Yeah, and then in terms of what players can be doing to better prepare themselves for the rigors of college baseball, you had mentioned earlier you like multi-sport guys. You don't want to see them specialize. Uh, and I was watching on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, there was an um, kind of a discussion or maybe an argument over – 
one person was saying, look, if this if this person wants to play high level division one baseball, there is nothing that they can be doing in their high school experience to better prepare themselves for that than playing baseball 12 months a year. And then somebody said, no, you, you know, you've got to learn how to compete in other sports. You've got to learn how to play a role if you're not the best player on your team. And so they kind of went back and forth that way. It sounds like you're someone who uh, would like who values multi-sport athletes. What more do you think uh, guys can be doing in high school to prepare? And why is that multi-sport athlete still uh, making strides in terms of his baseball ability? Mm-hmm. Well, I value multi-sport. doesn't mean that every kid on our team is a multi-sport athlete either. And it doesn't mean that every kid is is going to play two or three sports. I, I just feel like it's it's a way, number one, for the kid to decompress from the game. I think if you play it 12 months out of the year, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're growing from it. Because if you do something over and over and over for a long period of time, um, there's there's a piece of you that's that's not always going to be as intentful as you were or are if 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 it's taken away from you for a while and then you, you go back into it. Um, I was a, you know, I was a seasonal kid. I played every sport during the course of, of, uh, my high school years and I enjoyed that part of it. But what I, what I do think it does is think there's something to be said about football players, hockey players, basketball players who engage in frequent competition where it, uh, it's very team oriented and it also, uh, there's a lot of anticipatory skills that grow inside those sports that you can't get on a baseball field, but at the same time help you in baseball. And I also think there's a body element to it. I mean, you're a Friday Friday night football player. You understand what it's like to wake up on a Saturday morning and get yourself going again. And you don't necessarily have to feel a 10 on a 10 scale in order to be the best version of yourself all the time. You can be slightly injured and still perform at a high level. And I think in playing other sports, those are some of the qualities and components that will allow a kid that's playing baseball to, to understand that and to benefit him as, as, as he uh, goes forward in, in the game of baseball. Yeah, that's interesting. And it seems like when you're scouting or evaluating players, there are some obvious things. You know, you want to see the most skilled players. You want to see the 98-mile-an-hour fastballs, uh, and you want to see the five tools and for a school like Vanderbilt, you need to see the academics too, obviously, or else you're not going to be able to get them into the school. But what are some things that maybe recruits don't always think about uh, in terms of ways to impress coaches, whether it be you know being a good teammate or maybe for a pitcher just command of the strike zone or something like that? Or um, you know what are some things? And you had just mentioned you know a couple there. What are some things that uh, players can do outside of just bringing a skill set or good grades to the to the mix? In short, compete. I mean, I, I think if there's one trait that all coaches are looking for, it's looking for a competitive kid. It's looking for someone who has a high care level for what he's doing once he gets inside that environment. And I can't tell you that every situation is the same, whether it's high school baseball, amateur baseball, college baseball, for that matter. Not, not every situation allows the kid to or puts a makes that a makes that a priority. I, I think for summer baseball it's very difficult to get into that frame of mind knowing that you're sometimes moving from event to event to event and your emotions aren't tied up with necessarily with the kids that you're playing with or the program that you're playing with. If your emotions are tied in with other kids because you care about them, you're tied into the organization because you care about it, then you you 
play at a different level. You play at a different energy. Your competitive fibers are brought out. And I think in the game of baseball, that's really what it gets down to. There's a lot of high tool kids that play the game of baseball. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a lot of high tool kids that compete at the game of baseball. And competing at the game of baseball is the separator. We had the, one of the best competitors of all time that played second base in a Red Sox organization. And size of his hands, the size of his feet, how well he ran, how high he could jump, none of those things mattered. But what, what mattered for Dustin Pedroia was the game of baseball and who he played it with and how well he competed at it. And because he did, he became a winning player. And I think all coaches are looking for winning fibers of a kid. And those winning fibers are the ability to compete inside of environment and the ability to to enjoy the people that you're doing it with. And if you enjoy doing it with the people that you're with, you you become a pretty good teammate. You're doing it for other reasons outside of yourself, and that matters. Now, for in terms of guy, we've seen guys from the Northeast who have committed to Vanderbilt and ended up signing, um, you know, professional contracts right out of high school. And then we've seen some like Tyler Beatty or, or Josh Baez was an example last year of a guy who did that, who ended up signing. He was a second-round draft pick. Tyler Beatty, uh, back in, I think, like 2011, ended up turning down a professional contract offer. What type of support or guidance do you provide to, to your recruits as they try to make that really difficult decision? Uh, you know, I think just like uh, not that you're a father to them, but I think you come from that vantage point. I think you just come from the vantage point of what makes sense for that young man, what's best for the young man, is the timing right? Um, there's, a, there's a lot of different variables that go into it that aren't monetary. And I think when we start looking at things and we start looking at a big, big league uniform and we start looking at a, a draft number and the monetary value of that draft number, th- those, those aren't the important things to a young man having success. It's all about the timing of, of when that person enters it and when it makes sense for that person. And uh, if, if they have an affinity for that time and they, wanna, they, want, they know that that's, that's the time that they want to do it, then you side along with them. Uh, but I think there's certain kids that might not be a Tyler Beatty that might fall under that. And that might be like a dominant Keegan young man who p- catches for us right now, who had that opportunity last year. And I just tried to guide him in the best way I could, you know, I kids see through biases and, you know, I, I think leading them back to your program just for the sole reason of coming back to your program because it will help you win yeah, that's important if that's what the kid, if that's on the kid's radar and that's what he wants. But th- think the same time, you got to look at the kid and what benefits him, what benefits his long-term growth. What does he want? I think when you ask a kid what he wants, then you try to give him a visual picture of what it looks like in order to get there. And uh, I think it's just help. It's just being a support system more than anything else and then allowing him the freedom to make that decision. The New England Baseball Journal podcast will be back after these words. Firecracker Sports serves all first-time and experienced coaches that are looking for quality showcase tournaments to promote their players and teams. We offer the most independently operated baseball and softball events in the Northeast region with qualified staff and college coaches to help you and your players get maximum promotion. Besides events, you can get all your baseball and softball needs with our player profiles, hotels, and even facility sales now. With Firecracker Sports, you can save time, effort and money by getting all of your events college resources and customer attention 
in one place every season. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division One, Two, II, and Three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. One of the things that really struck me that I remember um, after you guys had lost in the National Championship Series, uh, I remember you talking to a reporter right after and, and really had a perspective that, you know, the players on your team would grow from that experience. And it could be a learning experience that they take with them for the rest of their lives. And we're not always used to seeing that perspective up here in New England. You know, you see Bill Belichick get up to the microphone after a, a devastating loss and kind of just stonewall all the reporters but it seemed like you really wanted to lead by example in that in that moment and show your players that uh, there was something beyond that that game what how do you um how do you keep that perspective after such a difficult loss like that you'd like to think that you're leading by example but you know i think a lot of it at least, you know, for me personally, is gaining perspective just because of age and experiences. I, I, I can't tell you that I would have acted that way five, ten years ago. Um, I want you, you want to, you know, when you get removed from it and away from it, but that's a very emotional experience. But I think in time you have to understand that, first of all, getting to the College World Series is a gift. I mean, that's so difficult to do. I think that's number one. Number two, getting that far into the College World Series with the opportunity to win a national championship is, too. And that's so difficult to do. And the fact that if you could somehow win it, I mean, there's 300 teams out there that want to want an opportunity to win that every year. And the reality is only one is going to, to do it. So if you're telling me that the other 299 programs are failures, then that's not right. You know, there's, there's a lot of teams that might not get to Omaha that might get to a regional, that might win their conference, that don't win beyond that level. But at the same time, their year may have been very fulfilling. And I think that's, you know, as an adult, that's where you try to fill in the cracks and help your kids understand that this this experience right here is not all defined by a gold trophy that you can hold over your head all the time. It's defined more by what you do inside of it, what you left with it, um, who you did it with, and your ability to gain an emotion by doing it inside that program. And you've got a lot of great programs up in New England. I mean, Boston College, Northeastern, you know, I'll leave a lot of programs out, but those programs have won at high levels before as well. And I I think as as coaches, that's really what you're trying to do is just try to help your kids understand that it isn't all about the last game. It's, It's about what you did during that time. And I think at that moment right there, you know, he, he was satisfied. You, you, you know, either what you do is good enough or it's not good enough. And if it's not good enough, then 
somehow you got to walk away and say, you know what, we did the best we could. We, we didn't win it. But at the same time, we were in it, we were competing in it, and it, it just didn't work out. And uh, then you go on from it. But leaving from that environment and being totally devastated by a final game, I, I just don't want that for the guys. That, that wouldn't be fair to them, and that wouldn't be fair for, their, for them to leave up with that experience. Yeah, that makes sense. And what about in-game? Because, um, you know, it's, it seems like a really difficult thing for a baseball coach or manager to balance – you know, over coaching, are we doing too much, you know, squeezing and base stealing and kind of running ourselves into outs? Uh, whereas, you know, up here for a long time, it was Terry Francona that was, you know, swing on three and oh, or, you know, you, you kind of have to bring out the best qualities in the players and let them be themselves. How do you, how do you balance, you know, over coaching in game to making, you know, positive in game adjustments for your players? Just think it's allowance of the kids to, for them to, train at such a level that they earn the right to have that game themselves. And I think you, you know, again, as a coach that has, has been doing it for a time, I, I think you get to a certain point where you don't want to take the game away from them. It's, it, they earned that right to get inside that game and, and then express their skill sets in, in some way. And there's time for a bunt. There's time for a hit and run. There's time for you to take out a pitcher at a certain time, but, the more the kids can be handed the opportunity to make the make the decision themselves, I think the better off, it's better off for them. They they have the experience. It's the, they're the ones playing the game, and I think a lot of times they're the ones who can define what's going to happen on the ball field. So um, I think you know, with time, been more knowing Dan of of when to insert yourself and when not to insert yourself. And I am still in the third base coach's box. I, I didn't always. I started out that way. Um, I didn't always choose to want to be out there, but I've kind of grown into it now. So I've kind of stayed out there. But at the same time, you're, you're essentially a traffic cop. It's putting up red lights. It's putting on green lights. That's it. Calling a sign every so often. But you would much rather let those kids be the deciders on what's happening on the field than you. Yeah. One of, one of the common themes coaches – have echoed, you know, whether it be on the podcast or just in stories that we're working on, is that they don't think um, baseball players growing up are watching as much baseball on TV. So there's, uh, you know, a little bit lost in terms of just field smarts and awareness and recognition of game situations. Uh, first of all, do you agree with that? And second of all, how can you kind of adjust to that idea to make sure that your teams are still playing smart, even though they might not grow up watching the game? Yeah, I probably would agree with it, and it's it's not their fault. They've just got more to watch than we did. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot that they can consume, and whether it's a TV, whether it's a computer, whether it's their phone, whether it's an iPad, uh, whether it's a gaming situation, there's more to take in for them, and it's just part of their life. And I think the quicker we adapt with it as adults, we we understand it now. And I think the way to circumvent that, you can. You can sit back and say, okay, these kids don't have an acumen for the game. And I think if you just spray that thought, you know, you might be right. But I think then you got to ask yourself, okay, how can I improve their acumen for the game? And, you know, I enjoy that part. We enjoy that part. Enjoy that part inside the classroom and going over game tape and going over game video and breaking the game down and looking inside of it and see what matters and throw out the things that don't matter and not get lost in the weeds of the game. But I, I do think that's, that's kind of the responsibility of a teacher. And the, the, you're, you're a teacher to, 
teach the finer points of the game without uh, inhibiting the kids. And, uh, you know, I've always, I've always felt good about that. I've always enjoyed doing that with uh, video and just the, the, the things that we have to give them to show them uh, what parts of the game matter and how we can do certain things. Yeah, I was just reading a, a, a recent story. I think it was December or so, and it said um, you had just signed a new deal, uh, an extension with Vanderbilt. So uh, congratulations on that. But as I was Thank wondering, you. you know, with so much that you've accomplished over your career, what is there left for you to do? I know you're kind of a, you know, take each day as it comes type of coach, and uh, you're not looking at those, you know, not setting those goals of SEC championship, national championship, those types of things. Uh, but I would, I imagine at this stage of your career, you're probably starting to think, you know, what, what might retirement look like for you too? Have you had those types of thoughts? No, I haven't. Um, I, I don't, uh, retirement to me means dead and uh, that's, you know, under the ground. And I, I don't plan to do that anytime soon unless the big man decides that that's going to happen. But, um, no, I, I mean, I, I mean, listen, you know, I'm a New Hampshire kid and I thought I was going to be a school teacher and would have loved to have been a school teacher. If someone told me at age 23 that I was going to be a baseball coach and someone was going to pay me for being a baseball teacher and coach, I would have said, no, I'll, I'll do it for nothing. And, you know, you, you're actually coming to a facility every single day and working in the toy store and someone is asking you to help manage their children. I mean, uh, there's not, in my opinion, there's not a better lifestyle in the world. I mean, my wife and I have really enjoyed this, and we've tried to do the best that we can at it, and we've tried to represent the player's interest as best we possibly can, too, and the parents, for that matter. But uh, I just, I think the thing about myself, Dan, is if I felt like my skill sets were diminishing and I felt like there was a reach that wasn't the same with a with the players, then I, I know I would have enough awareness to, to move away from it. But I I just feel in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm, you know, not to be corny, but I feel like I'm just beginning. I just feel like this is, this is part of a a trail and part of a journey that, you know, I'm not even, I haven't seen even midway of, of what this is going to be like. So um, as long as I'm healthy and as long as I'm enjoying myself and, the people you're doing it with enjoy you because there might be a certain point where say I've stopped enjoying Corbs. He's, he's worn on me. He's I'm over it. And yeah, I think I'll feel that too, but uh, I've been given a gift and a lot of coaches been given a gift and I really enjoyed every minute of it. Well, that's great to hear. You're, you're an inspiration to so many of us that love baseball in new England. Uh, I know you have a limited time here, so I, I will let you get going, but thank you so much for being generous with your time today. Okay, Dan. I appreciate the time as well. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thanks again to Tim Corbin for joining the pod. Before we close out, a few programming notes. Rate, review, subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on your preferred platform. Be sure to subscribe so you can get an alert every time a pod goes live. To keep up with all things New England baseball, visit BaseballJournal.com. Click the subscribe tab to get the winter edition mailed to your home or office. Follow us on Twitter at NE underscore baseball. Thanks again for listening. The New England Baseball Journal podcast is a Siemens Media production. 